Hey everyone, welcome to Group Thinkers, the podcast from RKD Group. On each and every episode, we have someone uh, influential from the nonprofit marketing space that joins us to talk about something and uh, and to talk about things on the leading edge to help give us tips and to help us think forward into the future. Uh, I am your host, Justin McCord. I am joined, as always, by Ronnie Richard. Ronnie, Happy New Year. Good to see you. Happy New Year to you as well and to, to Ric Flair behind you as well. That's right. Happy New Year to Ric Flair. He had his, uh, we're on the, the heels of the national championship football game, and I saw Ric Flair uh, had his Georgia Bulldogs robe on pregame yesterday. So he was prognosticating, and he was on the right side of that one for sure. So... Uh, on this episode, so we're we're rounding out our latest season of Group Thinkers, where we've been focused in on nonprofits in the supply chain. And on this episode, I am um, really excited to welcome Polly Pepstore to the program. Polly, hi, Happy New Year! Good to see you. Thank you. Happy New Year to you both as well. I'm uh, thrilled to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, Polly. You and I have known each other. Eight years, <laughs> eight years, uh, and I know that because I remember two, 2014 was whenever our paths crossed and collided in somewhat, and so we're going to get into a little bit of your path here in a moment, uh, but, you know, Polly, what I'm really excited about today is that, you know, we're into 2022, and so we're still thinking about the supply chain and its impact on us, but I think we're already thinking about it in different ways. And so, uh, as we were just discussing beforehand, the purpose of our chat isn't to give a state of the state, uh, but it's really to think more about and talk more about things that we can be doing as learnings from what we've experienced through the fourth quarter of 2021 and, and thinking ahead. So. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled for you to be able to bring your experience, Polly. Uh, Ronnie, you know, you you have uh, heard Polly's name as well. Polly is a staple in the nonprofit uh, marketing industry. And uh, amongst those that attend uh, conferences in the greater D.C. area, it's very common when we had them, when we had them in person. We're going to have them in person this year that you would see Polly at those conferences, either on a stage or on a sidewalk running uh, as an avid <laughs> runner and very, very visible because of that, uh, that Ric Flair hair that you got going on too. So right. um, it's, yeah. it's longer it. now it's post pandemic, longer hairstyle. Yeah. Like many yeah. People. yeah. Mine got shorter, I think uh, during the pandemic, but we keep it high and tight anyway. So Polly, mine definitely got grayer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get those little all patches coming things, in, Ronnie. Right? It's, it's, right. it's a new chapter for all of us. Exactly. So uh, here's where I want to lead off. Uh, you know, I've, I've known you for some time uh, and, and had the chance to work with you, had the chance to work alongside you uh, and those things. But, you know, our greater audience doesn't have the same depth. So I would love for, Polly, for you to start, talk about your journey throughout your career and what brought you to PMG and, and kind of the role in the space that you sit in your your current spot. Sure. Wonderful. Great. Well, it's been a long and really interesting and exciting and fun career. So I feel very grateful for the career I've had thus far. So I've been in marketing my entire career and I started 
in the technology and then the publishing space and then working in technology publishing, actually. Um, one of those highlights was working for IDG Books Worldwide. We were the publisher of the original Dummy series of books, which started with computer titles and then rapidly expanded into every imaginable topic on the planet. So that was a rocket ship in a learning experience. And then from there, I co-owned an agency, Papsador Direct Incorporated, and we worked in the technology and publishing space. And then that merged with another agency in Boston called Direct Results Group, and we did B2B and B2C work. And then I eventually moved over into the nonprofit space in 2005, working for L.W. Robbins Associates, and that was the precursor to the latest entity, which is RKD Group. So I had the honor to serve many wonderful clients with L.W. Robbins and RKD Group over 11 years. And I have been at PMG now for almost five years. Again, time flies, you know, and it's been so much fun. So at PMG, I am Senior Vice President of Business Strategy. So I'm really um, charged with growing the company. And that's growing the company through what we would call basic business development, as well as developing new products and services internally, and also looking for partnerships and even potentially acquisitions too. So that's what I am focused on now. And it just is even more fun. So um, it's a real honor. And we have a great portfolio of clients um, that we work with. And we have just real quickly, we've got four business units within PMG. We've got a Postal Logistics Group, Mail Smart Logistics. We have MMI Direct, which is data processing and hygiene and uh, merge purge work. Then we've got PMG, which is the production, the actual direct mail production management team. And then we have the Engage Group, which is a digital marketing agency. So we've got those four groups. They all have their own clients, but we do share some clients. And more importantly, we just like to serve as a resource for the overall industry. So whether a group works with us or not, we want to point them in the, the best direction for resources that they can work with, whether they're an agency or a nonprofit. So it's just been a, an incredibly wonderful experience working at PMG and staying in this industry all these years. Again, I'm just totally honored and excited about the chapters ahead for all of us. Yeah, I, I you know, I think that we don't, think about enough that collegial aspect and whether or not it's within a group like what you mentioned across the four business units at PMG or or across groups you know mm -hmm. the the there's something that's special within this space of coming together working together you know whether or not we think that the right approach is one direction or another direction we're all uh, in this in a way to accomplish some really complex problems of helping the, you know, the greater good around us. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a very fulfilling space and uh, it's fun to get to work alongside people like yourself, right? Oh, great. So, and I would, I would like to just give a shout out to some of the really strong associations out there. So it's, as you know, um, because you and RKD group are involved in all these organizations as well. I'm serving as president of the DMAW, 
um, this past year. I'm actually handing the, the gavel over to the new president in, in January and very involved with the Bridge Conference and also the Nonprofit Alliance. I'll be serving on the Adrifco board again um, starting in February. So there's just a lot of really great organizations. And again, it's all about strong collegial relationships, even among competitors. I like to see them as peers as opposed to competitors because sometimes we share clients and, and we're all about helping each other out because the ultimate goal is to lift up the nonprofit um, organizations that we serve and, and to support the wonderful work that they do. So again, yes, wonderful community to be a part of. It's a really good space. Uh, it's a really good space. And it's a space that has been on a roller coaster for the last 20 months. And so the latest kind of loop-de-loop that we've gone through has been this whole supply chain thing. So, uh, you know, uh, I was reading today, and in fact, I, I learned a new phrase today, uh, which is the bullwhip effect. And so the bullwhip effect, uh, you know, is where multiple changes in the supply chain magnify each other. So there's distortion that happens from the endpoint and kind of backs all the way up uh, demand moving from wholesaler to manufacturer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we have in many ways experienced the, the bullwhip effect. Uh, you know, if you think about Indiana Jones, you know, kind of, cracking the the bullwhip that wave that goes through the entirety of the whip is where we've found ourselves and so uh while we're not here to as i said give a state of the state um you know some of the the latest things that we've seen uh across the space you know we're still trying to figure out how to level uh, supply and demand we're trying to figure out how to level getting uh, supply across, uh, you know, and now with the current surge of the latest variant, the Omicron variant, uh, staffing challenges have had an impact in many areas. And so, you know, from my point of view, Polly, and I'm very curious as to uh, your perspective, but, you know, uh, the immediacy is, you know, withstanding the current surge and, and then work to balance that or level that production rates with demand. Like that's the the macro thesis of where we're at. And so there's some patience and some proactivity uh, in, involved in that. In your capacity and from uh, the conversations that you have across the space, um, I would love to know your thoughts and, uh, and or how you stay on top of what's happening uh, in close to real time. Sure. Sure, and I would give an example of the bullwhip effect is the, the latest, which is uh, ports are opening up, right? Because we, we have seen some improvement over the last several weeks with the, the ports opening up with overseas products coming in. But then because of the trucking shortage, they're at the port and it's really hard to get them out of there and on their way. So that's that's an example of, you know, one area might improve, but there's still problems in other areas that, impact um continue to impact the the programs um in a pretty significant way so i'd love to start on a high note and that high note is that it's january 11th when we're talking together today and um we've gotten some uh really positive reports from some of our largest clients about how their direct mail programs have absolutely 
um, exceeded expectations in terms of goals for 2021. And that's despite all of these issues that we're talking about today. And even uh, delays with postal, the postal service too. So um, that's really encouraging for everyone because maybe some of the sm smaller nonprofits out there are, are just feeling um, discouraged uh, they, and, and concerned about maybe potentially cutting back on their mail programs moving forward because it, the, it's just too, the, the environment is just too challenging. But I would encourage them to keep moving forward and, and direct mail is still a very solid channel. And again, these are, these are top brand nonprofits that I'm referring to that had stellar results in 2021. So that's very encouraging. And um, in terms of other things that, that I'd like to talk about today, um, I would say that uh, as we were talking about just a few moments ago about what's so wonderful about this industry that we're in and, and the partnerships that have been happening across the space is that now more than ever, those partnerships are really important. So it, when it comes to production, because these these challenges have become chronic and, and individual factors change um, in the in the situation is changing at in, in certain areas every day. But what we've we've learned from this experience over the last 24 months is that you're um, if you're working with an agency partner like an RKD group or or any of the other wonderful agencies out there that that serve our space, um, really rely on them. And if they've got production teams internally, that's great. Or if they're working with outside production management partners, or you're working directly with them, really lean on them right now to advise you on what's going on and how you can mitigate these ongoing challenges. So those are some of the things that I wanted to talk about today and if it's okay with you justin i'll go into some of those um those points does that yeah does that, that work for yeah. you that would be uh that would be wonderful and, and just as you you serve those up uh, you know echoing that idea of leaning on your partners um mm -hmm. now is is certainly a time for trust and transparency and uh, and it doesn't mean that it comes without difficult conversations which life has right. always had those things but i think it, it it peels back some of the opportunities to be transparent and to to really exercise trust and so man what a what a unique opportunity we have to be in this space in a time to where there's an elevated uh component of trust amongst partners right that's that's uh something that i, I don't think we should overlook so yes please share share some of the uh the things that you're seeing and hearing definitely and i agree with you 100 that was a theme that i was going to weave in so thank you for bringing that up and i would say that um one of the most important things is making sure that you're, and this is something that, that we encourage in, in regular times, is that to make sure that your production team is involved in the strategy and creative planning of your program. Now it's really important. It's, it's actually critical because the production team can um, help guide you about problem areas where it, whether it's certain paper stocks or formats or certain printing techniques, they will know 
all of that and we'll be able to advise you. And then the other thing is just in general, the whole concept of longer lead times um, is super important. And I'll go into a few details there, but um, that starts at the beginning with, with your annual planning and how you kick off individual tracks or, or individual campaigns, it, it affects everything. And the other thing is just educating your teams and your leadership on an ongoing basis about what's going on in the industry and encouraging people to use third-party resources, something like this too, so that um, any skeptical leaders or supervisors um, can realize that, no, it's not just my partner that's telling me this, or it's just not my teammate. It's, it's other leaders and authorities in the industry. So um, I even think of, of getting, because it is such a critical time, maybe doing some sort of a regular update for your leadership and your team and being proactive about that. And that could be that could be an internal newsletter or an email or a 15 minute meeting or however you want to do it. But since things are changing so much and leadership should be aware of these things, um, uh, that's just something that we recommend because we're, Justin, we're like steeped in this every day, right? But but not everybody is. And, and we're still encountering situations where say a client contact doesn't realize you know, some some certain issue in the industry could have an impact on some individual project that they're working on. So the ongoing education and don't assume that everybody's immersed in this information every day like we are. So that was a the, those are some of the the big points. And and then getting into some some recommendations too. First of all, on the on the um, approval processes, which which I mentioned earlier, consider tightening up those approval processes on on the nonprofits end. Even if you have a creative team internal or with an agency, consider reducing the number of people who review and touch your mail piece, copy and creative, and the number of rounds of edits, and really just re-engineering your processes. and And these are things that can help moving forward after we um, get out of this pandemic too. It'll just be a more efficient process. And strive for accuracy and clear direction to streamline those processes and reduce the risk of errors. Um, we're in a really high pressure in environment. And if the nonprofit team and the agency team aren't buttoned up and then um, new information is is sent on an hourly basis to the the production team, which is sometimes viewed as the caboose, well, that just slows everything down. If if we have to switch gears or if there's an error that should have been caught at an earlier stage, or if there's a shift in strategy at the last minute when things are at the in, in the direct mail production facility or even in the mailing facility or data processing is already done and now there's new segmentation, really striving to avoid those scenarios in this in this environment that we're on we're in and then being you know, forward, Paula, it's it's yes. interesting just a just a note on that i was actually uh reading a piece um one of the groups that you know is outside of our space but that i 
uh, I, I like to stay connected to their content is McKinsey, the global consulting firm. And, and one, it's just the quality of work that they did and the quality of content that they put out. And uh, I was reading a piece from uh, some of their new leadership that talked about how among, amongst their, um, their business strategy that they are now elevating quickness in decision-making as one of the important characteristics for leaders versus tenure. So it's really interesting as an idea, you know, just because you've been there, you've been in it, does not necessarily mean that, that you are quick to make decisions. And it, and it feels like much of what you're talking uh, about in terms of these, these tips of just leaning on partners, making sure that production is, uh, is not the caboose, you know, that they're closer to the engine, uh, the longer lead times, the constant education. There is um, not just proactivity, but there is a, um, a quickness to the proactivity that is really required as a part of that. You know, that, that we're all in logistics at this point of, of trying to keep communication and information flowing. Yes, and that's a great point, Justin, because even earlier today, I had a conversation with one of our lead um, production managers, and um, she was mentioning that she's guiding her clients when looking at when we're putting together a whole production schedule, which has deliverables on the nonprofits part, and there, you know, there might be one cycle of approvals where they're, they want, they desire a 48 hour window to turn something around. And so she's gently guiding them. Um, in this environment, we really have to compress that. Um, so, you know, one of the recommendations is can you see, can you look to see who's in that approval loop and, you know, reduce the number of people so it can be more. Um, it can happen more quickly, but that's exactly to your point. Those days are over where something's going to sit for 48 hours mm -hmm. and just kind of doing a practicality check too. I mean, really, it, it, if, if you've already approved a strategy and a concept and maybe a copy deck at this point, why would you need 48 hours? And, and why do certain people need to be touching it at this point? This is also an opportunity to really empower the people that are doing the work. And, and again, talking about trust, even trust your own team. In this environment, you really need to empower and trust your own team to get things done so that you don't have these bottlenecks, which we simply can't afford um, in this situation. As you think about this, you know, going forward, looking, looking ahead, you know, more than just the next few months, do you see, do you think there will be some sort of long-term changes coming out of this to the way print production is done? Like, are, are we going to be sharper and better at this because of this? Like the way we're seeing digital takeover um, with the pandemic, are we going to see something similar with the supply chain? Sure. I think, I think some of our suppliers, so for instance, at PMG, we have about 35 core suppliers that we work with um, on a very regular basis. And then we've got over a hundred that we, that we work with in general are 125. And I'm sure that some of them are adapting better to this situation, this new reality, right, than others. And the 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 production teams that are that are working all day long 
putting together these programs. The, that That's not me, I'm not doing that, but they probably already have a really good sense of, all right, which of our suppliers, which are all trusted and that we've been working with for a long time, are, are doing well in this environment and thriving and, and figuring things out and which are the ones that are struggling. And it's a really good point because, you know, at some point we'll want to take a step back as we always do as part of our ongoing supplier evaluation program is have conversations about that and always continue to look for new suppliers too. Are there others that we're not aware of that we're not working with yet that are really innovating and and have succeeded in these difficult, challenging conditions. So that's a that's a good point. But right now, I think we're just so grateful for all of our suppliers because if you saw what some of what the hoops that people are jumping through, not only the team that I work with, you know, many unbelievable, you know, expert production people, many of whom worked in production facilities before they came to work at PMG. The troubleshooting and the problem solving they're doing, but then what's actually happening on these plant floors. And again, thinking about a lot of them have labor shortages and because of various delays in materials, their schedules are all out of whack, but they're still getting this stuff out and they're working so hard. And what I would love to do, and this is kind of like a random sidebar here, but I would love to do some sort of like production professional appreciation celebration that maybe we could get all the industry associations to join in on because they they are the people that are behind the scenes doing this very difficult work. So it's not only production management folks at our agencies and at production management companies like PMG, but it's actually all those suppliers, the, the factors of production, the people that are working in the warehouses and and you know, running the machines and it's just so hard right now and they're really doing a good job. But absolutely, this this is an opportunity for innovation and improvement. It's forcing us to do it. So good point, Ronnie. Going back to a few other things that I wanted to bring up. Let's see here. Oh, on the, the postal logistics side, again, mentioning about the trucking shortage, that's affecting all, you know, every step of the production process, because again, behind the scenes materials may be being shipped from a printer to a mail shop, that kind of thing. But even on the postal logistics side, what we're seeing is any mail that's being uh, drop shipped, as opposed to say commingling, that the drop shippers are only picking up two times per week at the mailing facilities versus the normal three times per week. And this is due to a trucker, uh, truck driver shortage and fuel cost increases. There's a consolidation there. So that's one of the reasons that mail delivery is slow is slower. So it's not just the, the postal service and once it's actually in the USPS mail stream, but it's for mailers that are consolidating their, their mail and drop shipping it to a postal facility that's closer to the the actual end destination that is is slower. So again, that's just something to keep in mind and, and a reason to build in even more lead time. And then in terms of get uh, talking about strategy and creative and what we're finding is we have this whole knowledge base now that we're, it's constantly changing, but 
you know, certain formats to avoid, certain processes that are good or or not as ideal in our current environment, certain paper stocks that may be problematic. For instance, the the environmental papers, that's an issue right now with the FSC certified papers. And some of our li- larger clients are being very strategic in procuring and paying for and inventorying uh, large supplies of those paper stocks so that they have them on hand for the year ahead. And obviously, smaller nonprofits do not have the wherewithal, the capa- the financial capacity to be strategic about that. But again, work with your work with your um, your partners. And and one of the things that groups that have environmental requirements, there's different there's different percentages of the post consumer waste content in papers and if if you're comfortable with a lower amount and you can still put that that authorization or credential on the materials then then consider doing that and just look you know being flexible about paper stocks in general is is something that we've learned and to continue to do that moving forward Let's see a few other t- <laughs> a few other tips just getting it out there in in the community is right now envelopes are you know, anywhere from 10 to 12 weeks lead time. So we're finding that some of our smaller nonprofits, again, they may not have the resources to be plugged into the industry like we are, but we're proactively letting those clients know, especially if they're on a schedule to, um, for instance, only mail acquisition or larger volumes a few times a year, we're proactively giving them the heads up about the lead time on the envelopes because some of these folks haven't even thought about doing their kickoffs yet for these campaigns. So again, kind of just helping them along and providing that that guidance. And then even things like um, we're on, on acquisition campaigns, Justin, the longer lead times and the mailing delays are impacting list rental deadlines and mailing windows. So making sure you're working with your data partners to make the best of the situation and look for flexibility in mailing windows too, because that's an ongoing issue. And, and then three month lead time for complex multi-component mailings that require overseas production. I was talking to one of our overseas suppliers recently and they're doing a really good job. His, his latest stat is that 80% of their, of their products are, are getting here on time and they're, they're, they're streamlining their processes too and working as hard as they can with their supplier partners in China to, to be as efficient as possible. But again, building in the lead time. And another thing is clients are really curious now about exploring domestic premium production. Right. Because of the overseas issues, but the, the expense difference is astronomical. And also, there's still supply chain issues here, right? Right. Domestically. It doesn't, it doesn't immediately solve for it doesn't one. Solve it. And, right. and there could be some sort of component or material or ingredient that's still sourced overseas. So, mm-hmm. so it's okay to ask, you know, to your partners to explore domestically, but just, mm-hmm. just to manage expectations that the, um, the price difference. We're, we did we did a re- recent exercise on that, and the the price was 
very significantly different, but our suppliers here thought they were optimistic that their um, domestic pricing would go down significantly in the next few months. Mm. We'll see, but you just have to keep, like it changes every day. Like even another example of one of our production team members, they were sourcing envelopes for a smaller project and the lead time on the envelopes for were like 10 days. But that was a smaller project, and obviously it's a certain type of envelope, and there's all kinds of different envelopes, right? There's there's pre-made envelopes, and then there's ones that are custom-made for the project, and then there's all the different printing techniques on the envelopes. So again, don't be complacent. You need to realize that each individual co component may have a different lead time and different challenges. So always plan for a longer lead time. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's so funny, you know, Ronnie, you're you're kind of alluding to earlier, hey, at some point, does this go back, right? At some point, do the lead times get shorter? And I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I do know that in, uh, in my work in marketing in general, that, you know, whether or not it's lead times or, or production times, et cetera, that... I don't know. It feels like it's rare that whenever you let out the leash for the dog that you take the leash back. Like it seems like instead of worrying about whether or not it's going to go back to what it was, it's uh, your energy is better used in managing where you are and thinking ahead to how you can be even more proactive and more strategic versus dwelling on where we were and you know the back in my day even if the back of my day was 2019 right so so it, it, it's interesting Paula as you're talking about it Paula we've had conversations over the years where there's been this thematic in the space that we're you know we're all storytellers right we're all here telling stories of these great causes and then all of a sudden we were all analysts right because data is infused into everything that we do uh, and I don't know if we're all uh, logistics managers at this point, but we're all managing information that we have today to stay on the front of the evolution as opposed to being caught behind uh, that that evolution. And I would I, I agree. And I would say that it's like a mindset shift that implementation needs to be viewed as a strategy. So, we actually have a term at PMG. We we like to say that we were focused on strategic implementation. And that resonates now. You know, maybe before we would have to convince people that, oh, okay, I get that. I, I understand that. It's not, you're not offering a commodity. Um, well, now any implementation is strategic. It has to be. And so that point I made about the larger nonprofits making the decision to purchase large volumes of, of paper for, for all of 2022 or say some portion of it, that goes up to the senior leadership of the organization. So implementation is strategic and I would like us to retain that concept even beyond the pandemic because it's part of the programs and it's a huge expense so you should be looking at it strategically. And I also would love to, you know, coach and educate strategists and creative people and analysts to 
view it that way and to respect it too, because sometimes as the caboose, the caboose isn't always respected. And it absolutely is is critical to our ultimate mission here. So that's our job. And and we're happy to um, be evangelists about that. And, and more and more people understand that now. So it's it's all it's all positive. This we are learning so much and growing so much, and we should pat each other on the back that everybody's doing such a great job, working very, very hard. And we're obviously highly motivated because we we have an incredible sense of purpose for the work that we do. But we're we're doing a great job for for our community and for our nonprofits and for the people and animals and environment that they environments that they serve. So it's it's been an incredible yeah. Could, experience. Yeah, yeah, it really has. And 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 Paula, just as we wrap and, and to your point, as as we move, which I, I do believe we will move from pandemic to endemic. I don't know when, but we will move from pandemic to endemic. And uh, and you know, as as we normalize, uh, I you know, I I really do think that we will not uh, rush to forget the things that we have learned uh, about our adaptability. And you know, it's it's. You know, the things that the nonprofit space learned in the early and mid aughts uh, about disaster response transformed and propelled digital from nothing to something over the course of its first five to 10 years. And uh, and so now, you know, and, and you could say the same thing with, uh, you know, with the economic collapse in 2008 that there was a key set of learnings uh, uh, that we took away from that in terms of staying in the market, you know, to, to, um, to understand that there may be outside uh, volatility, but ultimately that people still want to support causes and help those around them. And yeah, we've had to be reminded of that. you know, multiple times since 2008, 2009. But, um, you know, as we've gone through this last two year stint, I I do believe we're going to emerge with a new set of learnings on uh, the speed of decision making and data as an asset. And as you said, uh, as having each component in our own cycle of campaign execution better understood for where they sit in driving strategy, right? And so, man, that's valuable. That's that's a good thing for us, a good place for us to be. Absolutely. Well, I agree with uh, you. I, I, I would hope that you didn't disagree because, you know, then <laughs> yeah, we'd have to, Ronnie would have to, you know, mediate. It would be a whole different scene. Um, Polly, I, I am, uh, I, you know, for Ronnie and I, we're so thrilled that that you could make time to join us today and that you could bring a different perspective uh, of uh, someone who is connected so closely to the production space, but then also can be able to speak strategically to things throughout the process. So thank you for your time and your tips and your wisdom uh, and your, your positivity. Oh, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure. And um... Yes, uh, anything I can do to give back to the industry. So um, let me know how else I can help. Yeah, that's 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 wonderful and very well said, and, and a great way to to characterize uh, the spirit that Polly brings to the space. And so 
Um, just as we wrap this episode, like I mentioned at the outset, we've got a couple more episodes uh, that uh, are highlighting the nonprofit marketing and the supply chain. And so be on the lookout for those. Uh, plenty of other resources as we get into 2022 on Arcade Group's website and on our blog tied to trends and, uh, and some things to look out for, uh, some pieces on adaptability. Uh, that play in line with what Paul has shared today. So uh, do yourself a favor and, and be sure to check those out. And uh, that does it for this episode. Ronnie, have I missed anything? I don't think so. I think you got it covered. I mean, it's like this whole episode has been like the scouts motto of always be prepared. I feel like. That's right. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's very good. Very good. All right. Well, uh, appreciate you both. Thanks for the time today. And thanks for everyone uh, listening and tuning into this episode. Uh, we can't wait to, uh, to see you again. So we'll see you next time. See you down the road. Thank you both. Group Thinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, but it's the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers. Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers. 